right, thank you so much, guys. If you have a copy of God's Word, please take it and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And uh, as was already mentioned, today is a special day. I was visiting with some first-time visitors in our first service before the service began, and I said, well, today is kind of a different day, but it's a good day because today is one of the days we take every year to set aside time to talk about the importance of taking the gospel to the farthest reaches parts of the globe. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we read one of the places in the New Testament where Jesus essentially gives the church her marching orders. It's important to remember as a set of backdrop, kind of just framework that we look at this through, that we, we realize that God's grace saves us from something um, and saves us for something. God's grace saves us from our sin. We've lied, we've cheated, we've stolen, we've had pride in our heart. We deserve a sentence of death over us because of our rebellion before God that God says, I'm going to decide to give to my sweet son, Jesus. And that's what this season is about, right? Celebrating the fact that God saw our sin, he saw our problem, and he said, I'm going to put a plan into motion where Jesus comes, he lives a perfect life, and he dies in our place and he rises again. God's grace upon our repentance and faith saves us from the penalty of death that we should have been given. But God's grace also saves us for something. God's grace saves us for a new life, a new set of marching orders that God gives us to live for his glory and for his fame. And one of the primary ways you and I flesh that purpose out is through what we read these words in Matthew chapter 28 18 through 20, called the Great Commission. So that kind of backdrop set, would you please stand to your feet with me as we honor the reading of God's word and we read Jesus' commission, his great commission to the church. Matthew 28, 18, we read these words. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is God's word. This is God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word. Would you please pray with me, church? God, thank you so much for your word. We thank you that we can gather around it together and hear from you, be challenged by you. And so, Lord, in these moments, we pray that you would remove distractions, that you would open our minds and our hearts, and you would show us what you want for us, what you have for us, that you would speak to us. God, would you help us as we hear from you today, not just to be hearers of your word, but would you help us be doers as well? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. After making a promise of authority, an ultimate victory that's in Jesus' hands upon his resurrection, he says, make disciples, in verse 19, of all nations. We are to be about making, helping produce, investing in the process that results in people becoming followers of Jesus. Jesus. 
When it talks about making disciples, a disciple is a learner or follower, somebody who surrendered their life totally to Christ. And so what you and I are saved from is our sin, but we're saved for making disciples. We're saved for investing our lives and the word of God into the hearts of other people. Now, as you read the New Testament, one of the primary ways, and I believe the primary way, this great commission is accomplished is through the ministry and the work of the church. The local church, especially as you watch Acts and its development, is the primary carrier for this great commission and this investment in the world. And so what we're to be about as a church really is two things, two quick things we see in this passage. One, we're to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. That means we're to help people understand that Jesus is a crossroads. You are either rejecting him or embracing him. You are either walking away from him or you are submitting your life to him. And that we lead people to respond to Christ by repenting and trusting him. And that we help them understand that they're to profess that publicly through water baptism. That's the first way that we make disciples. But the second way the church is meant to make disciples is verse 20. By teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded us. We're to then work with that person to help them understand what it means to follow Jesus. What it means to live under his authority. We're to help them work through a process where God shows us sin in our life, shows us maybe ways where we've mixed our trust in him with, with belief in other things. We're to help them work through a process of learning what it really means to follow Jesus. To sum this kind of up for us as a church, when we think about missions and we think specifically about this process of taking the gospel to the farthest reaches of the globe, you could kind of sum up what Jesus has called us to be about with four words. We are either giving we are either going, we are either praying, or we're disobeying. Now today, you're going to have an opportunity to give. And if later in our service, we're going to have some spots along this altar where you're going to be able to walk down these aisles and give towards the work of missions. Others of us will be asked to go. I, I pray that at some point in every believer's life, they're able to go to a foreign place to share the gospel. We have a team leaving for Mexico this coming January and part, of, part into February. We're all encouraging all of us to pray for the work that's going to go on. You're going to be more informed this morning about how to pray for the work of missions around the world. But I pray that we also recognize that there is a fourth response that some of us may be living out right now, and that is disobedience. We're not giving, we're not going, we're not praying. We're really just trying to check out on this. And so what I want to do this morning is very simple. I want to take the Great Commission... Now I want to explain three ways that Riverview Baptist Church is investing in making disciples here and around the world. Okay, I'm going to show you three specific ways Riverview is taking the Great Commission and investing that reality here and around the world. And I'm doing that because I want you to be more informed about what you can go to, organizations, things you can be a part of to participate. I want you to know more about how you can pray for the work that's going on. But thirdly and finally, for our purposes today, I want you to know what you're giving to and why I can unapologetically stand before you today to say, I think giving to the work that's going on that I'm going to show you today is worth giving to, especially as we look at the year end in this Christmas season. Let me tell you about the first organization. The first organization is called the IMB. The IMB stands for the International Mission Board. Now, whether you knew it or not, 
this church is a part of a network of churches called the Southern Baptist Convention. We are connected with over 40,000 other churches around the world, okay? And what one of the best things that our group of churches has decided to do is to pool our resources together to send the gospel around the world through funding full-time missionaries. So right now as I speak, there are about 4,000 full-time missionaries that you support every single week when you give through this organization. One of our commitments as a church that's participating with the IMB, is that we don't see the work of global missions just as something for the missionaries who are out there on the field. We actually think we're supposed to be engaging in partnership with them. We don't believe global lostness is a primary the missionaries' problem. We believe primary, primarily global lostness is the church's problem. And the missionaries and churches should be working together in partnership so that we would resound for the glory of God. Let me show you this video. This is an overview of the work that's going on there. The Great Commission is a command from Jesus to all of us to go and make disciples of all nations, which means all of us, through our praying, our giving, our going, together we all have a part to play in seeing the gospel spread to the ends of the earth. Well within that first year of planting our church, before we were really ready um, to do an overseas trip, we knew we wanted to go. When a particular team goes, I mean, the whole church feels like we're all going. We're going with them. This is what we do as sent ones. It's just a privilege to be able to be sent. I think about all of the people who've invested in us. We stand on the shoulders thousands and thousands and thousands of people who've gone before us. I have the privilege of really shepherding my children's hearts. We want them to not only hear about missions, we want them to understand it the way God wants us to. You share with those around you, you share with those in America, and then you share around the world. We get up at six and we pray for the missionaries. I don't think there's anything quite as powerful to me as someone coming up to me and say, I prayed for you or I'm praying for you. And you see all the hurt in the world, you see the needs, you see what you have, and you're able to help other people. We want to give, even though we're small, even when we don't want to, even when we feel like it's hard, um, we want to show the love of Christ and lavishly give grace and things that we can give as he's given it to us. It's not, you know, all about what I can get out of it. Um, it's about God's love for me and how that changes my heart to share that with everyone else that I meet. And so it's, it's kind of changed the way that I do my business. So I see these two groups at work. You've got a group of churches who are praying and giving and sending out missionaries and a group of missionaries then who are spreading the gospel in some of the hardest, most difficult, dangerous to reach places and peoples in the world. And together, there's a unity there that is resounding to the glory of God. So there are three ways right now we as a church are supporting the International Mission Board. Uh, the first way is through this thing called the Cooperative Program. 
So every single time you give here at Riverview, as you did a moment ago, a portion of the money you give goes to support those missionaries. So part of what our 40,000 churches have decided to do is to say, we're going to partner together to work for the purpose of mission. So we're going to pool our resources. So the budget that Michael mentioned that's presented in the back actually has a spot for this kind of funding that goes to a pool together that helps fund missionaries. A second way that we've supported uh, the IMB over the years is this thing called the, the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. This is a year-end offering that we take every year. This year we're doing it differently. As you no doubt have noticed by now, we're doing it as a part of a bigger offering called the Global Missions Offering, which in part will go to Lottie Moon. The largest part will go to that work, but there will be other efforts that we're supporting as well, and you're going to be hearing more about those in a moment. But, but every dollar that goes to Lottie Moon goes directly to support missionaries. Currently, the IMB is relying upon that offering for about 60% of its budget. 60% of what they operate on comes from that one year in giving opportunity. The third way that you support the IMB, which you may or may not have known, is that your pastor, your senior pastor, that's me, is a trustee for the International Mission Board. And so one of the privileges I have is representing the thousands of churches in our network through the 80 some odd trustees that I'm part with. We represent the churches as a way of providing accountability, support, direction, uh, agreement about philosophy and vision. We're coming to the table to help guide the International Mission Board. And so it's something I'm very passionate about, something that I want you to be more informed about than maybe previously has been. So what we're going to be doing today in part when we ask you to give is we're asking you to give to the work of the Great Commission through the International Mission Board. I want you to watch this other video to see some of the work that's going on in some of the hardest, most dangerous places in the world. I would dare say, before we watch this video, there's just not about any dangerous place that you'd point to on the map where we are not working to get the gospel. Some of the most hard reaches, some of the hardest reaches places, some of the most difficult, most dangerous places, we have work going on there. I want to show you some of the work going on in parts of Central Asia with this video. Watch this with me. Nobody knows where this country is. They know that they're on the outside of history and they're not cared for. For us to be able to show up and begin to tell them that God loves them, This is water on dry ground. This is remarkable news. Calling on people to give up Islam and embrace Christ. This is a big deal. Persecution comes every time the gospel is proclaimed here. I went up to a city in the north ready to give this teaching in a small church and talk about the cost of discipleship. And I sat on the floor with this small group and they said, let's all share our testimonies. Mostly women in the group. And as it came around to the end, this one lady, and she just said, oh, I'm just very blessed and I'm so thankful to be here. And the lady next to her said, don't you do that. You tell him the truth. You tell him that every night after you go to these meetings, your husband beats you. And last week he beat you with a hammer. And tears shot to my eyes. And I thought, how could I tell this people you go out and suffer for Christ's sake? And God just grabbed me by the collar and he said, you're not asking them, I am. My national team of guys went down into the south part of the country and there they found this guy and he said, oh, I'm so glad that you've come. I haven't seen another Christian in over two and a half years. And they said, 
Listen, these guys are drinking straight out of the ditches that are irrigating their cotton fields. I had a guy tell me, my wife is just really discouraged and wants to, to leave the village, but we've got nowhere to go. And she had three children in three years and they've all died. It's waterborne diseases, it's killing them. So you can get them clean drinking water, changes everything in their family. I really did not believe that I would still be here 17 years later. And I realize that that takes a lot of patience and a lot of endurance. It takes that on my part and it takes that on the part of the people who've sent us out. And they've been giving faithfully to Lottie Moon, giving faithfully to Cooperative Program. And the result is there's a church here and there wasn't when I came. So I really want to say to all of our constituents back home who have supported us so faithfully, thank you for giving to Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. So that's the IMB. That's one of the ways you're giving and you're supporting the work of making disciples here and around the world. The second organization I want to talk to you about this morning is a group called Baptist Global Response. Zach, there is a magazine on the top of the uh, sound booth there. Could you bring that to me? Baptist Global Response is essentially disaster relief, internationally speaking. So I don't know how many of you watch the news, but it's not infrequent for us to see some kind of natural disaster, a typhoon or a hurricane, uh, rage through some international place. A couple years ago, um, there was a natural disaster that went through the, the country of the Philippines. Every single time there is a disaster like this, part of your giving is going to support disaster relief. That's feeding people, helping people with their homes, helping people with basic health and physical needs. There's that kind of work going on all over the world. I want you to watch this video about how BGR, Baptist Global Response, was working in the Philippines just a couple years ago. After the typhoon, we requested BGR to come help assess the situation. BGR found out that there's a lot of damage and needs are so great that we might need volunteers to come to help repair damages. We recommended helping the community, the people rebuild their houses. BGR identified that helping the school would help the people get water. All the kids of the community goes to this school. So it's like helping the school means helping everyone in the community. BGR's project is not just to help repair the buildings. This is a great opportunity. Please pray for us. Please pray for the next volunteers that are coming. We are here. You are part of this. God is repairing the lives of the people. So one of the classic questions that I've often thought about when we think about missions is, do you minister to people primarily their, their bodies, their physical needs, or their, their souls and their spiritual needs? And a lot of missions organizations bend one way or the other. 
Baptist Global Response is our network of churches answer to say, we're not just going to minister to people's bodies. We're not just going to minister their souls. We're going to minister to both their physical and their spiritual needs. And one of the reasons I can stand confidently before you and say that BGR is something worth our church investing in is because it consistently meets physical needs, building homes, clean water, helping people boots on the ground with disaster relief type activities. But it's always connected to boots on the ground, full-time missionaries through the IMB that are there that can minister to the spiritual needs as well. Um, One of the things that you'll notice on the table outside as you walk outside these doors to your left is you'll notice a magazine like this where you can find giving opportunities to help people all over the world with those physical needs that oftentimes open the door to conversations about their spiritual needs. So just as an example, you can buy chickens, which I've learned in the Ozarks is something that we actually do here a lot, but uh, internationally you can buy chickens $25 for 10 chickens. Rex, is that good? That's pretty good. Um, You can buy livestock to help families in need, which then opens the door for conversations about people's spiritual needs. So this is something, by the way, parents that have small kids at home, one of the things that Shelly and I are talking about doing is taking this magazine and looking for opportunities that our boys could pick out that we could invest in as a family as a way of giving back to people in this special season. Parents, sometimes it's very easy for Christmas to become all about your kids, isn't it? There is nothing probably I despise more than my children than entitlement. These kinds of opportunities can help kids understand Christmas is not just about you getting. There are kids and families all over the world that are in need. This is a great opportunity. There's a lot of things, by the way, that we'll be pushing for your money this Christmas season to help people in need. One of the reasons we would encourage this organization over others is because this organization always is tied into also meeting people's spiritual needs, trying to get people the gospel of Jesus Christ as we minister to them in their bodies and their physical needs. I know BGR is kind of a newer thing, Ron, a uh, newer thing that you may not be aware of. Ron Copeland, ra- wave your happy hand in the back there, Ron. Ron, uh, one of our associate pastors, served with the IMB for 11 years and is good friends with some of the leadership at BGR, and they just wanted to say a word of thanks to you as a church for considering giving to BGR. Watch this quick welcome from the president of BGR to you. Greetings from Baptist Global Response uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. My name is Jeff Palmer, Executive Director, and um, I'd like to say greetings to the folks at Riverview Baptist. Thank you so much for your partnership, uh, Brother Plumley, and of course, Ron and Nancy Copeland. Uh, we appreciate you including us in your annual missions offering. Uh, thank you for allowing God to just move your hearts to help the most vulnerable people all around the world who are in need, whether that's from hunger or from disasters. and And we appreciate you partner with us to uh, help them physically and also to make the love of Christ known to them in their time of suffering. Uh, We look forward to see what God's going to do through Riverview Baptist. And uh, thanks for the partnership. Wish you a Merry Christmas uh, and uh, a Happy New Year. God bless. All right. That was the second way. So the first way is the IMV. Second way that we are partnering together as a church family is the uh, organization called BGR. The third way I want to talk to you about missions and the way we're investing is in this sweet person here to my right, Tammy C. Tammy uh, grew up here at Riverview Baptist Church and uh, was sent out by this church through a different organization called New Tribes Mission. 
Tammy's been serving with New Tribes how long? Probably 15 years. Sorry. <laughs> to apologize for my voice as well. I'm losing it. So if you see me today, you probably don't want to hug me. I'm going to scoot over this way just a little bit, all right? Okay, I, I'll why you like they do in Thailand. No physical contact. I've been with New Tribes about 15 years. Okay. 14 in Thailand. 14 in Thailand, but 15 total. Uh, New Tribes is focused on reaching the least reached groups in remote areas. And the strategy there is to produce mature churches that can in turn reproduce and reach others. Tammy has been working in Thailand, you said, for 14 years. Um, one of the things I like to do when we talk about missions and the way we're investing is to make missions personal. For you actually see the face uh, that's connected to what you are supporting as a family. Tammy is someone every single week when you give, you are supporting this person. Uh, she lives in Thailand. She's been here for six months, five months, something like that about to head back. But I want Tammy to share with just a little bit about the work she's doing. I want you to start, Tammy, though, by talking to us a little bit about the people that you're working with. Tell us about the folks that you're working with and the types of challenges you have in reaching them. Okay. So NTM in Thailand actually does work with different people groups, but I'm working with the majority group, the Thai people, and it's actually one of the least reached people groups in the country. There are more believers among tribal people in Thailand than there are among the Thais. And the Thais believe in Buddhism, but it's a mix of spirit beliefs. And in this picture, you can see the Buddhist monks. They are doing a ceremony, but it's a spirit ceremony. So they are sending, my, my friend's husband passed away. He died in that pond. They're sending his spirit from the pond back to the coffin so the other ceremonies can happen and it can go where it needs to go. Right, and so in the first service, what I was quick to point out is that this type of practice, we talked about it, was a, was a term called syncretism, mm -hmm. where they're mixing some of those beliefs. I know that's one of the greatest challenges you face. Talk a little bit more how even some believers struggle with the idea of, okay, I'm following Jesus now, but I still want to hold on to some of the ways I used to believe and to think. Right, so some of the other spirit beliefs, when a person dies... They believe, so it's my friend's husband and her son, they believe that the spirit will come back. And this is a friend who's attended my church um, for, I mean, she's a Christian, she's been baptized and things like that, but she's still, because she hasn't been taught, is afraid of these spirits coming back. And every year she would go to the temple and give an offering, so money, food, things like that, to send to them in the afterlife. So even though she's going to a church and doing this, she's mixing her beliefs together and so you're engaging in something you think is going to help this issue, this problem. Talk to us a little bit about what is, what's the specific work that you're doing, and tell us about that process and why that's important. Okay, so the main focus of my ministry now, in time, I used to be working at the school, and actually Mr. Palmer, the video that you just saw, I taught his son. <laughs> just kind of small fun. world. Small world. Yeah. So, but now, for the past two years, I've been working on developing um, foundational Bible lessons in Thai, been preparing to do that. And the goal of this project is, ha is to have a strong curriculum for pastors and lay people to use throughout Thailand for evangelism and discipleship. So we will write it specifically for Thai people who have this mixture of Buddhism and spirit beliefs. And this can be used to disciple people from who are unbelievers, who are just interested, to bring them to salvation, and also people who are in the church to bring them to maturity. And it's not just a translation of an existing curriculum. We do have a framework, but you need to understand the worldview clearly 
so that when you write the curriculum, you can target those false beliefs that they have so that they can understand clearly. So I will be working on a team with a lot of other Thai people um, to develop this curriculum. Right now, I know that you're in, still in the language, learning, culture piece of the process. Talk to us a little bit more about how that process works. You talked about the worldview. How do you try to um, go about learning enough of the culture to make these lessons understandable to them? So before I do the lessons, I have to understand the worldview. So on a daily basis, that looks like I go to get, get to do cultural events. So there's a picture of me. I'm at a temple. There's a particular ceremony. I found myself climbing up a mountain on a pilgrimage. I had no idea. But you take pictures. You experience it. You take notes. I use my phone to record. Um, I interview people. What are you doing? Can you explain it to me? And then I come back and I work with my language helper. And so I put notes into the computer. I say, what is this? What is this? And to learn more of it. And so the end process, I'll be writing this huge worldview paper about what ties believe in all of these areas. So then when I write the lessons, I can go back, oh, what are the parts that they're really going to struggle with that I need to make clear? So this is a long process. And I know that right now the process you're in is, is learning the language. Eventually, like you said, you're going to be writing the lessons and you'll have a team of Thai believers who are working with you to help you put that together. Um, just for our edification, let's say all of that goes the way you want it to go, and we pray for you, and after several years of hard work, you have this set of lessons presented and done. What's the value of that? Talk about what you hope to be, what's the impact that you hope to see happen from all those things? So there are churches in Thailand. They do have God's word in their own language, but like we mentioned before, syncretism is a big problem. That means that's where you mix your former beliefs, the Buddhism and spirit beliefs, with Christianity. And so you can see that throughout the Thai church, that that's a problem. They, they kind of see it as, I moved from the Buddhist religion, and now I'm moving to the Christian religion, because they haven't been taught. And so there's a real need for this curriculum for pastors to use, for lay people to use one-on-one, -on -one, so that people truly understand and have a, a good foundation to mm -hmm. understand salvation. Now, lest we think that syncretism is just a Thai issue, what you need to recognize is syncretism is also a problem in American Christianity as well. So one of the ways I see um, American Christianity kind of getting co-opted and mixing beliefs with other religions or other worldviews is through the prosperity gospel, which basically says, if I believe in Jesus, he's not only going to forgive me of my sins, I'm also going to have everything I've ever wanted. If I believe enough, I'll never get sick. I'll never have problems. God will always give me what I want. And if you watch the TV preachers, you may even get a Lear jet in your driveway, okay? Uh, that's a mixing of the gospel, which says, no, Jesus came to die for our sins with this kind of materialistic view of the world that's kind of an American idea. Tammy, if you're, I know you've got some examples already. Give us an example of how you've seen this material kind of impact, that kind of syncretism, and how it's borne some fruit. Okay. <clears throat> so one example is my friend Chong. Some of you may have seen pictures of her because I've known her for 14 years. And I've had the privilege of discipling her with these foundational lessons. And she's actually from the country of Myanmar, also known as Burma. She came to Thailand to work. And so I taught her for three years. We did creation, Christ, Acts, and started on the epistles. And it's just so neat to, to hear her testimony. Actually, on Wednesday night, I'll share a bit more of her testimony. But she has such a clear testimony now of salvation 
by grace. She had never understood grace before, even though she came from a church background. And she uses examples from the Old Testament, and she can just clearly explain it to you. And what's really is exciting is last December, she decided to move back to Myanmar. She felt God was calling her to go back and to minister to her own people. After living in Thailand for 17 years, and Thailand is a much nicer place to live. And so, um, yeah, I'll tell you more about her on Wednesday night, but it's just encouraging to see her testimony because um, Thais also in this kind of prosperity gospel, they like trying out different things. So I'm going to wear this amulet. If it doesn't work, I'll go to this spirit doctor. I'll go to this you know, astrologer, and if it doesn't work, then I'll try something else. So they're willing to try Christianity, especially if Christianity is, is explained to them, oh, God will help you and do all these things in your life. But they may not truly understand what salvation is, and so they really need to be taught. Hmm. Just a little commercial Timmy mentioned. Um, she's sharing briefly this morning, but this Wednesday night at 6 p.m., she'll be sharing with us for the entire hour And so I'd encourage you to come back and to hear more about her work and the things that she's doing. One of the questions I love being able to ask Tammy when she's in front of us and when she's with us is, how can we pray for you? So Tammy, tell us, um, I know you've got a sheet, talk about that. Talk about how we can be praying for you and supporting you in that work that you're doing. Yes, in the back on your way out and on my display, there's a sheet of specific prayer requests. If you want to take that and pray for me, you can also sign up to receive my prayer email every month or every other month. Um, but the two biggest prayer requests for me right now is as I finish language and culture study in this next year. So for focus, for understanding that I can just really understand their worldview, and then also for wisdom in finding the right Thai teammates to work on this team who can do all these roles. And the second request is for Chang as she begins her ministry in Myanmar, that God will guide her uh, to the ministry he has for her and that she would be encouraged um, because she left all of her close Christian support and went back. And um, I have prayer cards of her as well. So if you want to take those, you can write her an email. She understands English just fine. So Great. So you'll be able to hear more about this. Can we just thank Tammy for being here with us this morning? While we have her here with us all together, I want to pray for Tammy and her work. Would you join me in praying for her? Father God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for, uh, God, the incredible call that you've placed on Tammy's life. And Lord, we thank you for her obedience to be a servant who surrenders her life to your calling. God, I just thank you for the work that she's doing in Thailand and the, the prayer and the hope that the, the, through the work that she's doing, uh, churches would be grounded, uh, people would come to know Christ, there would be something that provides some substance and depth and ties people to the Word of God in a very unique and specific way. God, I pray against any uh, just uh, spirit of discouragement or frustration or isolation or loneliness, Lord. I can only imagine that would set into Tammy's life. God, we pray that you just wrap your arms around her and that she would sense your presence and your call in her life every day, every moment of every day. God, would you find us faithful as a church to pray for Tammy, to pray for the work that she's doing there as she ministers to the Thai people. God, we also lift up her friend, Chang. We, we pray for her life. We thank you that you've 
by your grace saved her, and Lord, now you've sent her back to her homeland to share, but Lord, that is a dangerous, dangerous place. We pray for protection for her, and we pray that through her ministry and through her life, God, fruit would be born out of the work that she's doing. God, thank you again for the role we have as a church in sending Tammy out and continuing to support her in prayer. God, would you please find us faithful to support Tammy, to love her, to encourage her, and to let her know we're doing those things. God, thank you for the privilege we have of not being only saved from something, but saved for something. We thank you for Tammy and ask a blessing on her life again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can you, say yeah, quick, sure, yes. absolutely. <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you to all of you for your prayers, for your financial support, for your encouragement. It's been such a blessing for me to be with you these past six months, and I, I get my love tanks filled up, you know, to go back, and I just want to say thank you. Speaking of thanks, can we say thanks to Timmy one more time? <laughs> well, I hope uh, this morning you have been uh, informed I pray and trust that you have been um, made aware of ways that you can pray, maybe more ways you can specifically give and go. But as we close this morning, before we go to our time of offering, I just want to show you one more uh, clip, I think, that summarizes some of the things Tammy was talking about. I want you to see some of the work and some of the challenge that our missionaries like Tammy, like others at the IMB, like they go through as they interact in some of the hardest to reach places. This video is about some work going on in the Mozambique coast. Please watch this with me. When I first came, I thought it was capable for the task. There were so many different things that I had to die to and realize I have no power to do these things. I'm just asking God to do for them what I cannot do. Show yourself to your people. Show up. We wanted to go to where there was lostness, northern Mozambican coast. The centuries of Islam that were there, witchcraft. My first thought is, what have I done? How am I going to be affected? This is the beginning of a battle. We came in 2004. With my one-year-old firstborn. All of our kids come and minister together with us. Children open the door to build those relationships with the women, how to share their faith, how to reach out to their families where it was much more close to the gospel. But there is a sacrifice involved. Witchcraft in this culture is what sustains their life. Who you marry, your health, whether or not you catch fish. Infant mortality rate is high. They live in fear of something happening to their children. When people come to Christ, for them it is a life and death decision. Is this worth my life? Adelina was a very well-known witch doctor after about a year and a half, we're getting ready to pray, and Adelina just says, I want to get rid of my witchcraft and take down the witch doctor hut. So Sunday afternoon, after church, when that wall fell down, it was just a complete release to God. I no longer need to be afraid of these things. Our work in the local village has spread across the bay through the influence of, of family members. They had made professions of faith. We're starting to see national believers go out as missionaries through persecution, through hard times. God has galvanized their faith far beyond anything that I could teach. Be still and know that I'm God. Adelina starts telling her story about how she has new life in Christ. 
wanaa masii na laba kini pele fulanwa ka aroya yana shajoni na tamu yuto tuwe onkawi bahir ni roho hotel. God has been faithful to show himself in ways that I never would have expected him to show himself. It's only the work of the Holy Spirit. That tide is turning and momentum is building that God's kingdom is coming to this coastline. Uh, church, we've hopefully been informed this morning, but I hope you've been more than informed. I hope your heart has been touched by what God is doing around the world. And I hope through these short videos, through the testimonies that Tammy's given and others, that you recognize that we really have no idea what persecution means. We really have no sense of what it costs people to do what we do here every Sunday morning. I don't know all of your stories, but to listen to that woman say that she goes to a Bible study knowing that her husband's going to beat her when she gets home every day, that costs you something to follow Jesus. And what we're asking you to do this morning is to give to that kind of work, unapologetically, to give financially to say, we want to be about supporting that kind of work in those kinds of places. And so our prayer for you this morning is that God has indeed laid uh, a financial gift that you can give at this altar in a few moments. But my, my earnest prayer is more than just that you're going to give this morning, that God would well up within some of us, all of us, prayerfully, a heart to see the gospel go to the hardest, darkest places in the world. Would you pray with me, church? Father God, we thank you that we're not going to some foreign country and asking them to follow you and asking them to lay down their lives. As we were reminded this morning, Lord, you're asking them to do that. God, forgive us of our comfort and ease. Forgive us, Lord, when we're lulled into complaining about the most minuscule things. God, help us as a church to have the vision and the biblical perspective to say, we want to rise above all the petty nonsense that we get bogged down with in America, and we want to see this church, this people, give sacrificially and to go and to pray to get the gospel to the world. Lord, I pray for people here who even watching some of these videos and listening to Tammy this morning, Lord, you may be touching their hearts for them to go. Lord, you've called all of us to make disciples, but I do believe there are some that you call out specifically and especially to take the gospel to the world as a vocation, as a, as a lifelong journey. God, I pray that you would call out the called as this church continues to raise the banner for the need and the urgency of taking the gospel to the world. Lord, as we turn our attention now to this offering where we're going to give back what you've given us, 
Would you help us in these moments to give sacrificially? And would you help us to give with a kingdom mind that says, Lord, we want you to take these offerings and use them for your glory. And we ask all these things in the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.